to the Feed You podcast, giving you the real scoop on raising your business to new heights. Expert education, inspiration, and motivation to fuel your purpose, your passion, and your profits. Here's your host, Elisa Connor. Hello, hello. Welcome to the show. I'm so grateful you're here. Today we are talking about making assumptions in our marketing and creating our offers. If you're new to the show, I'm Elisa Connor, and what I do is I help second act entrepreneurs take their expertise and their experience and turn them into profitable profitable digital programs using strategic marketing that works, that sells, that generates revenue, and most importantly, increases impact. Number one mistake that I see entrepreneurs that are coming out of corporate or coming out of a long-term career make with their marketing is that they make assumptions. They make assumptions about what their customers need. They make assumptions about what customers will buy. They make assumptions about what customers even want. And all of those things are costing you not only sales, but they are delaying your success, which is the last thing we want to do as an entrepreneur. And so you may be asking yourself, well, how do I know I'm a second act entrepreneur? So second act entrepreneurs are people that have experience and expertise that they now want to take out into the world to create greater impact and sell some stuff so that they increase their revenue. I partner with those second act entrepreneurs so that they have marketing frameworks and strategy that work and they can save time, energy, and frustration by trying to do all the things that actually don't work and don't get them customers. Instead, do the right things in the right way so that they get customers quickly and that those customers become long-term clients and also they get their time back, which is ultimately the reason that you or any other second act entrepreneur leaves corporate in the first place. So what are we talking about today in on the show? We are talking about making assumptions in marketing and how they are deterring not only sales and revenue and results, but they're confusing your customers. And so as you may have noticed with COVID and even before COVID, the online space is crowded, which means, you know, I have customers that come to me all the time and they're like, oh yeah, I'm just going to put up a website and people are going to show up. I'm like, yeah, that's like saying you're going to put a cardboard sign out in front of your house and a bunch of people are going to drive by and become customers. That's not going to happen. There are, you know, I can't remember how many new internet users per day, but it's somewhere in the millions, like new internet users and new businesses that launch on the internet in the millions. And so you're competing with all of those people that are putting information out there. And so we've got to stand out and get people to take notice. And one of the best ways to do that is when you are really specific about how you are offering your services. You are a brand new entrepreneur, but you have lots of experience and lots of education, and you just really have this desire to help people. But sometimes that desire has you creating things before you know there's any demand for it. And so I've been working with some clients lately and they're like, oh yeah, I built out my whole my whole course. It's all online. And I was like, great. Has anybody asked for that? Has anybody said, hey, that's what I need? And usually it's met by the blank deer in the headlights stare. And this is a common mistake of second act entrepreneurs because they're not used to, you know, thinking in a marketing mindset. They're used to thinking in a corporate mindset. And there's nothing wrong with that. Nobody ever gave you the skill set to do that. Um, But 
I wanted to share with you some things to consider before you start creating offers, before you start creating products, before you start recording a bunch of things for an online program so that you can save yourself some time, some energy, and some frustration. So a lot of times when people put these programs out there, they put their online courses out there, they don't take into consideration that they are promoting something that they think is a great idea, but that nobody else really wants. Or it may be the very best spoonful of medicine for their ideal customer, but it's not something they need, or they don't know that they need it, or they don't know that they should even want it yet. And then the third thing um, that gets in the way of creating these promotions and offers is that people go from, hey, here's my product, and they try to move right into the sales cycle. And that is the epitome of you going and um, walking into a, let's say, a craft store. I do a lot of crafting. So you walk into a craft store and somebody just hands you a whole basketful of craft items, say for jewelry making, and they're like, here you go let's ring you up. And you don't even like jewelry making. So that's a problem. (laughs) Like you're like, I don't want jewelry making stuff. I like to make cards or I like to quilt. And I don't want stuff to make jewelry. Well, it's the same premises when you're trying to push your products or services or your ideas and your courses and your online program out to people. And they don't even know um, one, if they want it, they, or if they need it, and they're not ready to buy it because you haven't won their trust yet. And so a lot of times when I'm working with people that are coming out of corporate and they're they're starting their second adventure, um, they have a lot of knowledge, they have a lot of experience, and they try to start talking to their customers at that level. And so it's the, the equivalent of them having a PhD or you having a PhD and trying to bring in your customers who are in kindergarten. And they're looking at you like, I don't even know what you're talking about. I don't know what words you're using. And I definitely don't know if I need or even want what you're saying, because number one, you're making me feel dumb and nobody wants to feel dumb. And number two, you're confusing me because I don't even know what it is you're trying to tell me. And so when um, we are creating those products and offers in the marketing that goes around them, We need to consider how we're speaking to our ideal client and the people that we want to work with. And it's not going to be everywhere and everyone. And so a great example of this came up. I've been doing some consulting with a really great guy who does um, sales coaching and he does it for high level sales directors. And he had this great download that he had created and it was something like, I don't know, velocity, sales expansion for your account director team or something like that. And I was like, um, wait a minute. Jermaine, has anybody in the last five years come up to you and said, hey, I need a velocity uh, growth calibrator. I don't even know what it was called, but it was like this whole long and he's like, um, no. And I was like, so how many people are signing up for this velocity uh, <clears throat> training thing that you've set up? He's like, no, nobody. I was like, that's because they don't know what it is. And I said, what are the things that people actually ask you for? And he was like, it was just like a light bulb moment. He's like, oh my God, I get it. Like I'm talking to them in this lo- in this language that is so clear to me because I have so much experience and I get so excited about it. 
and they're not there yet. And I was like, no, absolutely. They're over here and they want to be, they might want to be here. They don't even know if they're ready to be here or what this is, but you're starting them here. And they're over here going, I don't even know what you're talking about. So they're ignoring you. And that's the last thing we want to do when we're creating a business and we're creating a new um, opportunity for people to look at things in a new way or offer a perspective from our experience. And so when you are getting ready to put any kind of marketing material out there or even creating an offer, ask yourself that question. The question that I asked Jermaine, which is, When's the last time somebody asked me for this? And if the answer is never, stop, don't create it, don't do it again. Just start by asking the question for the people that you've already done work with. And if you don't have those people yet because you're brand new at this, start with asking the people that either you used to collaborate with in the corporate environment or people that would be a good fit for your new consulting or digital or online program or the people that you think you might want to work with. Just start asking questions because you can't ever move forward and make a decision with anything in your business until you have some viable feedback from people. And I'm telling you right now, the feedback that comes from here is not gonna be your friend because you know what you know and you can't go backwards. And what you really need to do with your marketing and your business when you're starting out is go backwards to where you were before. And if you can't remember that, and you can't remember what those feelings were and where you were at, it's going to be really difficult to create marketing. So when you start to do that um, marketing research with those people, you're going to start hearing the same things over and over if you're listening, which is tip number two. Don't just go in with an agenda and hear, but not listen, because there's so many people that will share information with you. But if you're not paying attention and you're not listening to the words they're telling you, you're going to miss it. And gathering that language is really, really important for your marketing efforts, because that is the language that people are going to resonate with. That is the language that they're going to hear. And that is the language that they're going to say, hey, wait a minute, what are they saying? I think I I get that. And so that attention to language, that attention to what they're telling you is not just going to be a one-off conversation. You're going to see it appear again and again and again, the more people that you ask in that field um, that you're trying to offer your product or services to. If for some reason you ask that question and you say, hey, would this guide or resource be helpful to you as a business owner, as an organization, as whatever, whoever it is you're trying to assist. And they come back and say, heck yeah, oh my God, we've been waiting for that. Nobody creates it. Everybody's created blank, blank, and blank, but that's not it. Then pay attention, pay even greater attention because that is your goal. They're going to tell you exactly what they need. They're going to tell you exactly what is being out, you know, put out into the market that isn't working and what other solutions they've tried because you then follow those little fishing lines and see, okay, well, here's your competitor. This is what they're doing. And now you're hearing from the market that's not working. How do you solve the problem in a better and different way? Or how does your experience and your education tell you there is a different answer? And how do you present that answer to the market with some sort of authority, whether that's um people that you've worked with or statistics or whatever that might be to the market so that 
you become the expert. And then um, the last component is if, if the, the answer is, <clears throat> and then the last component of this is we don't ever want to assume that people know how to fix their own problems. And I have been a personal victim of this for my own business is that I look at people and I was, I'm like, okay, well, you know, they know how to create an offer. They're smart. They know how to put their services together and bundle it together and put a price on it. They don't. And it's because it's easy for me because I've done it over and over and over. And I perfected that skill, just like email marketing. I've written the emails. I've done the emails. I've done, you know, created emails regularly for three or four years. I help people write their own emails. Um, I write emails for clients, you know, all these different things. I have a lot of experience in that area. So it's easy for me to think, just write an email. But meanwhile, people are like staring at their screen going, I got no idea. I have no idea what to put in this email. It is intimidating. I just stare at the screen for hours and then I just give up. And so just because we know how to fix the problem, we should never assume that our clients or the perspective people that we want to work with know how to fix that problem. Because one, um, if they knew how to fix the problem, it wouldn't exist anymore. And two, um, if they've tried other solutions and they're frustrated, they are on the verge of just being like, whatever, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to do something else. And that is our opportunity. It is our opportunity to then walk in and go, hey, I get it. You've been told this, you've been told this, you've been told this, but none of those things work. And here's why because this, this, and this actually do work. And I can show you how I've shown other people how that works. And then um, if you are really clear about the solution you provide and you can speak to them in a language they understand, they're gonna, their little ears are gonna perk up and they're gonna say, hey, wait a minute, you're saying something that makes perfect sense to me and why haven't I heard it before? And so have an answer for that. You haven't heard it before because everybody else in the industry is telling you this, this, and this. So for example, if you're looking at marketing, one of the first questions I hear from anybody I'm either working with or about to work with is, hey, should I be, what should I be posting on Facebook? How often should I be posting there? And my question, I always answer a question with a question. It kind of drives my clients a little bit nuts after a while, but it makes you stop and think because everybody assumes you should be on Facebook. Well, what if your clients aren't on Facebook? What if your clients are only on LinkedIn? Why would you put a bunch of energy and time and effort into Facebook when all of the people you want to work with are at a CEO level or C level or a higher management level in corporate? and they aren't on Facebook. Sure, Facebook's great for some traction and you might wanna add that on as a separate entity later, but your attention and your energy and your organization and your content should all be focused on LinkedIn. And so when you're presenting information to people, make sure you're showing up where they're showing up, make sure you understand what their problem is and don't just assume that you know what it is. And then make sure that when you're presenting a solution to them, that it's clear, it addresses the problem and that you're not diving into a bunch of details about how it's going to fix the problem, but just that you have a solution and that if they want to learn more about it, whatever that next piece of your sales funnel would be.
Um, and the last thing I want to leave you with is that um, the more information you can give to people about your solution that shows you know how to fix the problem, the greater the likelihood that they're going to move forward to purchasing from you. And not only purchasing from you, and when I say conversion and purchasing, that's not necessarily just exchanging money. That could be exchanging information or furthering the conversation um, that will lead to a sale. And so anytime that you can collect information that shows you've either worked with somebody or you've helped people or you've got statistics that show your way of doing, um, you know, fixing this problem moving forward, is the way to go, the quicker people will respond and the quicker you will move people through your sales funnel. So one other thing I wanted to talk about that came to me earlier today when it comes to making assumptions in our business is that, and this is an important one, is that often we will take our beliefs around money when we're creating a product or a service or whatever it is we're putting out into the world to sell. We will take our money beliefs and we will overlay them onto our customers. And the danger in this is that we are making assumptions that their money beliefs mirror ours. And when we do that, it impedes us from offering the value for our actual products and services um, or charging what we're worth or trying to align our value with the money we're collecting for our value. And I have another client um, that I've worked with for many, many years and I love her to death, but we have had this ongoing dispute back and forth about how she charges for her training. And she does online training and she sells it per um, organization. So instead of have, charging per user, she charges for an entire organization. And I have told her on many occasions, I was like, your training is so valuable that I don't think you need to charge by organization. I think you need to charge per person. And I even went as far as to look at some different um, industries that offer a very similar offering to um, their clients and they all charge per person. They don't charge per organization. And I was like, you could literally five times your income in a year and stop creating so much content for your people if you just started charging your worth. But there's such a resistance there. And so it made me, she came to mind when I was getting ready to record this episode and I know she listens. So um, maybe she'll hear this in a different way. But it came to me because I was thinking, okay, so maybe there's some unhealed money beliefs there um, that are stopping her. And maybe she's overlaying those onto her, onto her clients. And when we do that, we create a dangerous situation for ourselves because we have to work harder for money than we really need to. And we also just assume that everyone else has the same beliefs around money that we have. And that simply isn't true. And so if here's an example that I heard one time, um, somebody may say to you, it's all, it, it really, the, the money piece of it is all relative. So if somebody were say to you, you know, is a thousand dollars a lot of money? And you could say yes, you could say no, but it's relative. If I handed you a candy bar and I said, Hey, that's a thousand dollars. No, that's a lot of money. You're not going to pay a thousand dollars for a candy bar. 
But if I said, hey, here's your brand new Tesla, it's $1,000, you'd be writing me a check in a minute. Like you'd be like, here you go, thanks for the car. And so it's all relative to your belief around the value of money. And so when you're creating your your offers before you put them out there and you're creating um, marketing around those offers, I want you to get clear about what your money beliefs, why you have those, what they are, and whether or not you're superimposing them onto your clients, because that is some of the work that needs to be done before you ever even put anything out there. And I find most people, especially people in corporate or that have had a corporate background, definitely have some beliefs around money that are not necessarily in alignment with their new version of themselves as they move into entrepreneurship and business ownership. And so I am of the perspective that money is infinite. It is abundant. There's no end to it. You can attract or push away as much as you want. Um, And I've seen it work. And so you have to make those decisions for yourself. I can't make them for you. All I can do is give you new insights and perspectives and ideas. And so I would ask you to take an inventory of your own money beliefs and say to yourself, okay, which of these are true and have they always been true? And if they're, if they are true, why are they true? And when are they true? And are they only true for you? And so that's what I wanted to leave you with today is a little bit of internal work to think about when you're getting ready to create your offers and you're getting ready to put them out there. The other assumption that you could be making is how much money people will pay for what you're putting out there. And so rather than just assume that you know what that is, I want you to do a deep dive on your own beliefs around money and not overlay those onto the people that you want to work with. So thanks so much for tuning in today. This has been a great episode. I really appreciate you joining me and coming back and listening to the podcast. Um, I know I took a little break there for a while. Um, It was mostly, we have a saying around my house, which is poop, get your poop in a group. (laughs) So that's what I was doing for the last month. I was kind of grouping where I want to go, the direction I want to take my business. And there's lots of great stuff coming. So I'm so excited to have you here. And I look forward to seeing you guys next week. In the meantime, be well, take care, and I will see you soon. If you're like most entrepreneurs, you know, you should be on social media, but they keep changing the dang rules. For Pete's sake, every day there's a new algorithm change. There's when you should post, when you should not post, what you should post. Should you do video? Should you do Insta stories? Should you do this? Ah, It's enough to make anybody crazy. And the worst part of all is that even if you're showing up and you have a huge audience on one of these platforms, you don't own any information about them. So when they change the rules, and you know they do, you are at their mercy. Well, what if instead you could own your audience? What if you had the power to show up in front of them, share what you want to share on your own time frame? Well, you can. In my new upcoming training, Own Your Audience, you're going to learn how to stop being at the mercy of social media moguls. Yes, social media is a great tool, but when you put all of your eggs in their basket, it's like renting an apartment with a horrible landlord who keeps changing the rent. You deserve better. You deserve to control and get in touch with your people on your terms. In the Own Your Audience training, you're gonna learn the five-step proven system 
that I've used with my clients for the last 20 years that gets you in front of your audience, builds conversations, builds connections, and best of yet, helps you sell your stuff. Because if you're not selling anything, it's really hard to stay in business. So join me for this free live training coming up. It is so easy for you to join and come and be part of this live training by going to alisaconnor.com forward slash own your audience. If you're tired of fretting about the next social media change and you're sick of being at the mercy of what to do, when to post, how to post, where to be, and you just want some sanity with your marketing, join me for this upcoming live training at alisaconnor.com forward slash own your audience. And I look forward to seeing you inside.